The Treasure of the Ancient King Part 1 The Forgotten Prince Chapter 10 Parthenia, as ever, went straight to the point. I must say I'm intrigued, but the conditions of your quest are still unclear. Their terms vague. What is our goal? To track down the prince, and soon, replied the wizard, for which I can offer a modest reward, if that is as far as it goes. There is a considerable chance that the prince himself will reward you for your help, and a considerable risk that other interested parties will pay us well for the information you are offering us, I added contentiously. I am well aware of the risk I am taking in trusting you, the wizard responded, looking to me. All I can say is that I am not in a position to find more trustworthy travelling companions in the time available. Your distance from the capital is your primary selling point, as you are unlikely to be strongly connected to the great houses or their motives. But it is true that I sit at the mercy of your honour. In short, I am desperate, said the wizard. One more thing, continued Parthenia. Where will this quest lead us? At the moment, we seem to be taking a stroll into the mountain shires, with not a hope, nor a clue. Yes, said Azkarkwith. It is true that I have not specified our methodology from there. However, there is a strong working theory that I have yet to elaborate upon. And it is, she asked suspiciously, the forgotten prince's last location, as I calculated, is in close proximity to an ancient site of importance, the Tomb of Kings. It would not be outlandish to suggest that the prince was headed there or has visited it, he explained excitedly. Another great treasure is said to be hidden there. The Tomb of Kings, you say, interrupted Parthenia sharply, and then sighed heavily, resigning herself to yet another turn of wide-eyed rambling. Rabran piped up on cue. Don't you ken your history, young lassie? She patiently tipped her head in order to accept his explanation. Aye, the Tomb of Kings! Rabran exclaimed joyously. Could I be nowhere else? The prince was headed. Nee do debut it. Hawkeye, tis a glorious landmark of the ancient kingdom. The final resting place of every king and queen of Bernia, course, thus excepting them since health nuts the unsteady. Well, I could tell you more, but... He hesitated, then looked up to the wizard. But as Karkawith... As Karkawith, the wizard corrected. Mr. Brown... Rabran inquired. Von Tomb has long since been sealed up and now lies over the borders in the Handalands. It's an edgy district, so to speak. Hawk warlords, the lake, a powder keg. Sir Moibray, responded the wizard. Let me tell you that orcs should be the least of your worries. Truly, the tombs were sealed a few decades ago, but many a year before that, 
their depths were unreachable to the menfolk of Ibernia, he explained. The mechanisms of the tombs are such that no human can enter in who is not in the possession of at least one piece of Grifalda's angel glass. That is to say, one of his five treasures. And as we have discussed, each one of the original five artefacts is thought lost or stolen. Behind the salesman's veneer, the wizard veiled his desperation thinly. Still, I reckoned him sincere in his intentions. Furthermore, the tomb itself, without upkeep, will certainly have become infested with goblins, giant insects, rats and the like, if not worse. Yes, yes, it was for the safety of the populace that it was sealed up. We should be glad that orcs lie between us and that befouled place, continued the elderly man. But at this the wizard remembered he was trying to convince us, and attempted to swivel the direction of the conversation. Look, everyone, I know what you're thinking. Why would the prince ever want to go there? Well, um... Then he seemed to be distracted, momentarily knocked off his train of thought. Aha! he shouted. That's it! Your story, Rabrin! Miss Story? the knight spurted out. Yes, Rabrin, your story. The whole thing makes a bit more sense now I've heard your story. First of all, as Carkwith went on, your character reference of the prince was impeccable. You see, if the prince had been a power-hungry monster, it made no sense for him to seek such a place. Indeed, absolute power would have been his in a number of years. As the misunderstood hero, however, as you ably described him, Reverend. Aha! he shouted again, almost exploding with enthusiasm. Well, in that case, the knuckle-bones of fortune fall to the ground in much a more sensible pattern. Uninterested in the affairs of state, an adventurer at heart, and a keen student of the laws, Prince Bryanet would far rather take the royal pearl and use it to investigate ancient sites of interest. So much hokum under the bridge, decried Parthenia. None of this explains such an extreme change of course for the prince. Even this cynicism could not pour cold water on the wizard's enthusiastic declarations. That's it, grinned Azkarkowith. Unless he believed the laws which say a future king must always return to the tomb of kings. And the wizard began to recite. To become a king is no man's place to select, and a queen can only be if it be queenship elect. In Ibernia the rule is, above all, dead, among those who previously reigned. We all balked inwardly. This was too much. Parthenia broke the uneasy silence with a belly laugh. You have my support, Askarkwith, she announced. What? exclaimed the wizard. The rest of us mirrored his response. Don't act so surprised, everyone, replied Parthenia. My interest is piqued, and I've got some time to kill. I tried to throw Rabrin a smirk of disbelief, but he did not even seem to notice. He was starting to look a little pale. In order to satisfy us, Parthenia continued. I've committed my life to skewering such balderdash by a process of straightforward and methodical investigative attention. With that, and with the possibility of remuneration, well, you could say it's a perfect opportunity. Besides, I need some more humour in my life. And it's getting late, she added. Parthenia made her point persuasively in every part. Tis getting late right enough, said Rabrin, following her lead. He bowed to the wizard and shook his hand. 
It's been a pleasure to make your acquaintance, Mr. Brown. And he similarly gave us all a farewell nod. Unfortunately, I'll may be able to join you on your quest, he said, and began to step towards the exit. What? cried Parthenia, unable to contain herself. Rabrin froze on the spot and turned to face his detractor once again. Sir Rabrin de Moybray, missing out on a quest, she baited. A knight of the royal order, don't you know? And she began to stride pompously towards the man. His nose wobbled with embarrassment between his blushing cheeks. Parthenia was not finished. She stood on a chair and held her chest tightly. And imitating Rabrin's blustery speech from a few minutes before, she began to soliloquy. As a king, he would have been majestic, an inspiration. Gladly I would be in his service. Then broke almost immediately into tears of laughter. Donna ye mock me, insolent child, shot Rabrin. Wait, continued Parthenia, jumping down from the chair. I know that face. Parthenia walked up to him and leaned towards his grimacing face, examining his features carefully. Sir Moybray indeed, she said, almost shocked. You're afraid. You don't want to die. Rabrin roared with anger. Donna ye call me a coward. It was with such force that Parthenia ducked away instinctively. I fought a dragon, didn't I? he added angrily. The wizard was unfazed by the exchange between the two warriors. That's just it, Sir Abrin, he said, grabbing his shoulder and pulling him down to his level. We'll need your experience, the wizard pointed at Rabrin's face excitedly, with a surge of insight. We'll certainly need your knowledge of the prince and of the dragon, not to mention your bravery and your loyalty. This calming word softened the knight's features immensely. Moreover, I have a feeling that the dragon Falendia will make an appearance, the wizard reflected. A dragon seldom relinquishes their treasure for no reason. Unfortunately, this final comment returned Rabrin back to a state of shock. All's the better, announced Parthenia, flanking the old knight on the far side and pummeling him on the back. We can give the old codger the one-two, me and you. Give the blighter some payback. Rabrin shoved Parthenia off and took one step away from Askarkwith. Well, what let be, Rabrin? said the wizard, his hands clasped in appeal. Wasn't it you that said, gladly I'd die in his service, if it could be so? Well, wasn't it? he squeaked. A chance like this won't come again, I can guarantee it. Rabrin marched towards the window, and glared into the darkness. Soon, I too would need to make a decision. We, the both of us, were old, alone, and wandering this fading land as if we always knew what it needed. If only someone would listen to our aged wisdom. By some incredible miracle, the chance had come to finally have our voice, to take our stand and to make our mark, at long last. Rabrin had his storytelling circuit, and I had my business enterprises. But what was that, compared to the quest of kings? and the promise of treasures untold. To me the choice was stark. If I were to follow this party, I would have to send my apologies on to Judheim and disappear for several weeks on a mad parade into the darkness. My financial enterprises would fall flat entirely, and I was getting far too old to rebuild them again. But the lure of treasure, unseen by generations, put youth in my bones again, like in all the hunts of old. Make it or break it, Riches to the bold, these sayings, 
Were they not the mottoes of my livelihood? The mottoes of a treasure hunter? Rabrin turned from the window and spoke with all the gravity he could muster. I'll join ye as cock with brown, and may the light shine wherever our paths run together. Thank you, Sir Rabrin. I am and will be eternally grateful, said the wizard with a tone of kindly earnestness. Without a pause, he turned to me. Now, Osbaldwick Grimestone, do not think I am happy just to employ these hot heads. We will need a sound mind to manage the supplies and to lend strength to the rigours of our enterprise. I can only assume from your earlier comments that you are an experienced traveller. I am no stranger to the quest, sir, I replied, still mulling his offer. I pictured myself at dawn, lying in my padded suite upstairs, warm light rolling in over my iron sheets. Deep in the safe, a bulging pouch of silver has my name on it, and my wares, which will guarantee me an early retirement, are in the horse's packs. With all that in place, I would have nothing to fear from what was coming with King Agat's death, holed up, no doubt, in a cottage in the balmy southern reaches. Then, I imagined Rabrin de Moibre and all his tall tales, arguing with the feisty Pathinia as they rode out of Rillip through the town gate. Next, I saw as with Brown the wizard, following behind with vastly more of value in his little pouch than all my portly weight in pure gold. All of them, pursuing an adventure of a lifetime, while I was left lying in my bed, snoozing and contemplating a life of luxury, never to see any of them ever again. Well, inquired the wizard Brown, winking, what do you say? Rabbi, I said, do you by chance happen to know the name of any cobblers in town? I asked him. Cost, brother? Oh, why do you ask? replied Rabrin curiously. I have a large quantity of expensive leather to rid myself of by early tomorrow morning, I answered him. He just stared at me, confused. Don't you see? I asked. I need the money to buy a new sword. This excerpt was read by D.A. Clarke, the author of the piece. Please note that this is a draft, and as such does not represent the quality of the final version. Thank you for listening. That was the conclusion of Part 1 to The Treasure of the Ancient Kingdom.